What's going on, my beautiful people? Thank you for tuning in again to another episode of To Unbecome 101. It is such a beautiful thing for you to be in this present moment with me. It doesn't matter who you are, where you have been, your social status, your belief or faith system, your career that you work. This place right here, To Unbecome 101, is a place to inspire true oneness, harmony, and universal consciousness, okay? Today, we're going to talk about cognitive distortions. Cognitive distortions are simply recurring experiences that happen for us, and they act as blinders for our present reality, okay? And you can already see how detrimental it is for us to identify these cognitive distortions and to get rid of them altogether so that we can live a higher quality life. But before we begin, You'll run that intro. Welcome to Unbecome 101, the home to the lost, the isolated, forgotten, and the outsider who is trapped in the cycle of personal development. I am your host, Alfred J, and I'm here for the facilitation of ego and identity rehabilitation through unbecoming your original self. Your people talk about it, but may not know exactly where to or how to begin, and that's exactly what I'm here for. And prior to us getting started, most importantly overall, I want to express my highest gratitude for allowing me into your aura and your space. Let's begin. Yo, okay, welcome back, welcome back, here we go, let's go ahead and begin. Let's go ahead and start with a simple statement. In this statement, I'm going to say that thoughts and emotions are much like the wind, okay? They come and they go. Thoughts and emotions are a natural byproduct of having a healthy brain and a healthy body, okay? But what happens is, is we are removed from the reality that they come and go like the wind, okay? So what I want to simply say is, do not be a wind chaser. As you move forward in intentionality, as you move forward in your progressiveness every single day, all right? As you move forward in your practice of mindfulness, I want you to remember that Thoughts and emotions are much like the wind. Don't be a wind chaser, okay? Okay, so as we move forward in identifying and ridding ourselves from cognitive distortions, let's first define what cognitive distortions are, okay? As I stated previously, cognitive distortions are simply a recurring experience, right? And we could be completely oblivious to where this experience came from, However, our minds, our bodies have remembered this energy, right? We remembered it and it's buried in our subconscious, away from our actual awareness, all right? And so what cognitive distortions are, they are blinders. They act just like the blinders on the horse in the Kentucky Derby, allowing the horse to stay in their lane without bumping into other horses, and their only view is set on the finish line. And although this may sound... Uh, nice within a set horse race uh, is not necessarily beneficial for humans as we endure the earth journey together okay what happens is during sometime during childhood during adolescence we had these experiences um, negative experiences traumatic experiences that deterred us from seeing reality from what it really was we were trained and conditioned to see things in a certain light, in a certain realm, right? Uh, let's say for public education or even private education, any type of education, right? If you have a group of children that are sitting together, and let's say 10 of them, and there are eight children that are setting out negative connotations in regards to education. They hate books, they hate reading, they dislike writing, 
right? They're behaving in a manner of rejecting new information that could potentially aid them in their futures, right? And then you have the two other students that are actually desiring to be studious. They're actually desiring, um, and they have this certain zeal and passion towards education, yet due to association with those other eight students, those two students will essentially get a perspective of how negative education is essentially, right? But prior to being around or being associated with those other students, they didn't have this scope on education. So it was because they were around the majority. The majority said, this is what education is. This is what education feels like to them. So now they adopted a certain view on education in which they didn't even have at first, right? Um, and you'll see this a lot of times, actually. You'll see specifically back into that uh, example of education, you'll see children at the beginning of the school year, and this is strictly coming from my experience as a school teacher, You'll see students that will be in class and they are at the top of their game towards the beginning of the school year, but because they are associated around other students or the majority of students who dislike education and don't show a, uh, th that don't show an enthusiasm towards education, you'll see their zeal kind of decrease. You'll see their efforts uh, uh, deplete a little bit because they're, they're now they're receiving what we call cognitive distortions in regards to education, okay? That's just a minor example. But before we go into further detail about what cognitive distortions are and how they come on, like I said, they usually come on due to negative experiences, traumatic experiences uh, from childhood and adolescence, right? These are blinders that stop us from seeing what our present reality is, okay? Imagine the human body, okay? So think of the human body vehicle as a working circuit, okay? The heart is at the center, pulsing life energy down and around the vehicle at a constant. The lungs acts as the filtration system, pulling in air through the nostrils or the mouth, refreshing it inside the human body vehicle, and then ridding the vehicle of the unnecessary gases and molecules. At the crown of the vehicle sits the brain that literally uses electrical currents to formulate thoughts, words, movements, and all the other functions we can't see. The vehicle works perfectly. What alters the functionality is our experiences we encounter on our earth journeys. Our experiences teach us in ways that may not even manifest until a decade from now, right? I want you to think about this, especially my, my, my generation that I'm in, the millennial generation. We didn't even know where our anxiety came from. We just knew that we felt anxiety as we grew up throughout our 20s, and we tried to drink it away, party it away, sex it away, whatever the case, right? And then we realized as we got into our 30s, those anxieties still exist. So now it, it, it makes us, forces us to essentially look deeper uh, to, to those core wounds, right? And those core wounds come from childhood and our adolescence, right? So those experiences don't even necessarily manifest until decades into the future. And that's what's tough. And that's why it's so important for us to set our intentions on identifying these distortions and then getting rid of them so that we can prepare ourselves and our families for the future. Okay, um, and we believe what we know as normal 
only until we reach malfunction, which comes in the form of negative emotional frequencies, just like I said, anxiety, uh, fear, uh, frustration, irritation, depression, those type of low frequency emotions, right? Uh, this occurs much like a check engine light in an automobile, all right? Like I said, our human body vehicle works perfectly. It is until we experience something with the outside world where then the check engine lights start to go off inside of our human body vehicle. Those lights are no, low frequency emotions, right? Just like I just stated, okay? Um, those emotionally charged encounters allows for our minds to build a world and to hold a view that rejects that pain at any cost. So whatever caused our brains and our bodies and our lives uh, to, to experience some type of pain, some type of frustration, some type of irritation, we come up with these codings and these patterns within our minds, whether we're aware of them or not, so that we won't feel that pain ever again. So that's how distortions are formed. If we refuse or neglect to check those distortions, then we'll live in those patterns forever and we'll drift without fulfilling the thing we came here on this earth to fulfill. And once these emotionally charged encounters happen, we adapt blinders and these blinders are called cognitive distortions. And these are the blinders we carry throughout our everyday lives, in our work lives in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our parenthood, right? We carry these blinders and these distortions everywhere we go. And if we don't properly check them, then like I said, we're going to drift and we're not going to reach the fulfillment that we're all seeking, okay? There are several cognitive distortions that we can sit here and call out, uh, but that'll take us a few weeks to uncover and unpack. Today, we're only going to just focus on three cognitive distortions. And then following the discussion of these three cognitive distortions, I'm going to provide you two assignments, two practical exercises that you can do in your free time to call out the distortions that you could potentially be, uh, I don't want to say necessarily say suffering from, right? But I want to point out the things that you could possibly be blinded by. I mean, even myself included, right? So I'm not excluded from this information. I'm not excluded from uh, this uh, actuality, right? I, I to myself, even though I'm teaching and guiding through this message, I myself can suffer from cognitive distortions, obviously, right? Because I'm going through the human experience just like you, right? Um, so this alone helps me, and I just want to share it with you guys to see if you can call out some things uh, in your lives, uh, in your minds, in your thoughts, right? Because the whole point is to transform our thought patterns in order to achieve oneness, harmony, universal consciousness, and unconditional love in all of our lives, right? And obviously that'll affect our entire world, okay? So let's go ahead and begin with disqualifying the positive. Disqualifying the positive, what is that? I think that sounds very obvious, so I'm not going to test your intellect on that. So disqualifying the positive is when we look at our lives, we look at our present situations, our present conditions, and we only see the negative. We complain. We refuse to compliment one another. We refuse to hold the state of happiness because we're afraid that that happiness is going to be snatched away at any moment. So instead of um, 
lingering in joy, lingering in enthusiasm, we disqualify it so that we can protect ourselves from it being snatched away. Um, for instance, myself, and, and, and it's various other reasons why we can do it. Myself, I'll use myself for an example. Um, as I was growing, it was it would be several accomplishments that I would achieve, you know, that I would have, and I would be completely uh, in a realm of rejecting the opportunity to enjoy the achievement because of survival's survivor's remorse, survivor's guilt in a sense. It's like, oh wow, at age 25, I bought, uh, you know, me and my family's first home. I became a firefighter and I am a decorated veteran. I went overseas and um, fought over in Iraq and Kuwait, um, you know, and I refused to share with people. I didn't want to share with people because I didn't want to feel like I was bragging. I didn't want, I was dimming my light down because I, I didn't want to, to make it, make other people feel bad for my accomplishments. So that's another reason why we could potentially disqualify the positives. And that in itself is a distortion. And that came from my childhood. Uh, when we were losing certain things back in 1998, we lost our home. Uh, my parents had split and the things were very you know, tumultuous for me. It was, it was very turbulent for my family. And from that moment, it's like deep inside. I never wanted to outshine anybody to make them feel bad. But I know for myself, I had to get out of that type of lifestyle and I had to refuse to go anywhere near living how I live growing up. Anyways, back to the subject. I was downplaying a lot of my achievements. I was downplaying a lot of my gifts and skills I was disqualifying the positive that was in my life. And because of that, I was rejecting any opportunity to receive more good. Uh, it's like the universe is saying, dude, you're not even appreciative of the things that you already have. Why would I give you more? You're not even appreciative of the things that I've revealed to you. Why would I reveal to you more, right? So it's important for us to remove that distortion of disqualifying the positive. If you a boss, then that's what's up. Celebrate that. If you have, if you have a beautiful home, then celebrate that. If you have a beautiful car that you take care of and that you prioritize, all your priorities are straight and all of that X, Y, Z, your family taken care of. It's okay to celebrate those things. It's okay to celebrate that you got a full fridge or, you know, a food in your refrigerator and it's okay to celebrate that you don't have food in your refrigerator whatever the case man you got to be able to find the positive in everything what that is doing is transitioning your state of being from apathy to gratitude okay we're transitioning from apathy to gratitude okay it's very important for us to do that because when we shift into gratitude we open up the portal of our hearts and our minds to receive fullness to receive fulfillment okay subtracting our value increases restriction okay that pushes things uh, away from you not necessarily materialistic things i mean the 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 spiritual stuff the the cosmic energy the light that we are we reject our most uh, our deepest most power when we uh, refuse to call out the positive okay so it's a, it's important for us to train retrain ourselves to think positively and to speak positively because whatever we speak we're going to see and whatever we see we live okay jumping to conclusions 
uh, there are two main points I want to touch on in regards to jumping to conclusions, okay? Mind reading and predicting the future. All right, mind reading. It is not our business to know what other people are thinking. That's a point right there we should write down. It is not our business to know what other people are thinking. And the reason why we, now this ain't a solidified concrete reason, I'm just saying a possibility because there are a multitude of possibilities why this can occur. One of the reasons we try to mind read is so that we can beat other people to the punch. Especially if we're feeling low about ourselves, okay? If we're feeling low about ourselves, you know, I'm talking about subconsciously if we're insecure, subconsciously if we are jealous, subconsciously if we are anxious, subconsciously if we are depressed, then we are going to read, then we can possibly project that onto other people because that's what we're saying to ourselves, that's what we're believing about ourselves, then that's the view, that's the scope that we're looking through and we expect for other people to feel and think the same way about ourselves. And that's disheartening. Why? Because that kills any opportunity to build relationship in any form. I mean, I'm talking about romantic relationship, career work relationship, your relationship with your children, the relationship with your parents, or whomever the case, right? That deteriorates any possibility to build something healthy with other people because you're sitting here projecting on other people and that's not fair to yourself and it's not fair to other people. One of the biggest mysteries that we have in our lives, the one of the biggest mysteries we have in humanity is the brain. I think it's one of the most beautiful things we can have. We can have, it's literally, it's almost 8 billion of us here that exist on the earth and no one is thinking the same thing at the same time. Now, we, we might have the opportunity to be synced with somebody, right? We might be able to finish other people's sentences. We can get on the same frequency, the same wave and attract the same energy and have like-mindedness right but at the same time no one is you know having the same exact wave of thoughts why because each being is unique which makes each experience unique right each human experience unique so it's not fair for us to mind read all right another thing is predicting the future uh we <laughs> i pause up right here because we have really been conditioned to predict the future the example I like to use is um, car lots, okay? And I don't want to call out any specific car manufacturers, but car manufacturers, it's 2022 right now. Right now, some, they're, they're about to release a 2023 vehicle. And once they finish, once that hits the market, that 2023, and it's still 2022, somebody is already in the drawing board at those car manufacturers designing the 2024 designing the 2025 designing the 2026 it's like they're already into the future right and the unfortunate part about that is once they create these cars that are already you know two three years ahead they they come to these car lots and then they begin to depreciate in value number one number two those car lots begin to be overpopulated number three the last issue that i want to call out with that with predicting the future in that manner 
is that even though these cars are depreciating in value and even though these car lots are overly populated it is millions of creatures millions of humans that are suffering because they can't find a car get a car keep a car pay for a car can't afford a car yet we have overpopulated car lots that exist because we're so far into the future do you see where i'm going with this that's where the issue comes in at when we're trying to predict uh, the future right now we're missing what's in the present moment when we try to predict the future we miss the present moment does that mean to uh sit back and accept apathy in a sense of not preparing and not planning or not scheduling the things that you are aspirational towards no i'm not saying to sit still you know sit on your hands and do nothing that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that to constantly be projecting into the future is not healthy why because now our baseline for the present moment is re is redundant is rejected it's, it's we don't even know how to behave we don't even know how to be in the present moment because we're so focused on getting to the future we're so focused on getting there instead of just being here you know what i mean and um we force ourselves into knowing everything when we don't have to know everything, I think it's a beautiful thing for us to remain in the in the unknown of some pockets of life. Okay, it's okay for us to not know what's going to happen when we not when we don't know what's going to happen. It opens the door for us to bring our very best selves. It opens the door for us to bring in and usher in the highest version of ourselves. Because when we usher in the and when we answer the call of being our the highest version of ourselves, then we release the opportunity to a better future. Inevitably, just like if we want to plant a tree or plant any type of plant, right? We put put a seed in the ground and that seed is eventually going to grow. Especially if you nurture it properly, it's going to grow fully. It's going to fruit the way it's supposed to. So same thing with us humans as we enter through or in, uh, as we walk through the human experience on our earth journeys, every day is an opportunity to place a seed in the ground and the seed is you. So you get to bring your highest version of self and you get to plant that into the earth every single day, which means that you're going to fruit. Fruiting is inevitable. That means uh, oneness is, is inevitable. Harmony is inevitable, right? Unconditional love is inevitable. And um, that that's just in, in a sense of not even knowing what's going to come, but actually just being prepared to be your best self every single day okay so that's what it's all about when we try to predict the future a lot of times we try to protect ourselves and when if we're protecting ourselves that means we're defending ourselves at every turn in every conversation in every disagreement or whatever the case and there's no need to defend ourselves all the time because we literally could just live in peace and love and harmony okay last one catastrophizing catastrophizing is when we blow things out of proportion on a regular okay it's the worst case scenario type of thinking, all right? It's almost very similar to predicting the future, except in predicting the future and in catastrophizing, we're actually thinking of the worst case scenario, all right? And if we do this on a regular basis, then we recondition our mind to only understand the dramatics of life, okay? And here, we exist in survival mode. And in survival mode, our bodies naturally hyperventilate. Our bodies naturally, naturally produce sweat 
Our bodies naturally dilate the eyes and we're prepared to either fight or flight, okay? Um, so that's the issue with catastrophizing. It removes the uh, availability we have towards peace and harmony and love, okay? Um, and so the ego is very, very present in catastrophizing. Actually, in catastrophizing, we are preparing for something that may not even exist, okay? Most times it, it won't exist. Uh, for instance, it, back in my military career, we would learn about, because I drove trucks, I was at 88 Mike, so for all my veterans out there, shout out to you guys, salute to you guys uh, and, and ladies. Um, I was at 88 Mike and we drove trucks and we learned all, all of these terms and the things we would possibly go through and encounter like running over an IED which is an improvised explosive device right and that could be anything it's called improvised which means it could be anything it could be a water bottle it could be um, a Snickers bar or some type of trash debris that's laying on the side of the road that's uh, manipulated into being an, an explosive device and once you cross over it boom bluey, and you could be harmed or hurt or injured or killed right and so after having that experience you come back home to the states and you're just taking a stroll down to the grocery store for your family and you see some debris on the side of the road and your mind due to PTSD and due to that experience, there's a distortion there for you. And you see that piece of trash, you see that debris. And now in your mind, you start to hyperventilate, your eyes are dilated, you're thinking of an escape plan, you're ready to remove yourself from the field of views, like anything to protect yourself and defend yourself and this ain't even a real situation it, yet you, your mind has been distorted um, to see this thing you have been trained and conditioned to see trash as a possibility of being death for you that's a cognitive distortion and you simply were just going to the store to grab some groceries so it removes the availability of peace for us. It removes the availability of harmony for us when we continuously look through these look through these lenses. And honestly, it's no blame on anyone. It's just we have to have the skills and the tools to be able to call these distortions out, to be able to identify them and point them out. And that's the first step. Once you are able to point those distortions out, then you're able to remove them and then live your higher quality life, okay? Last thing I want to say before I give you guys the practical exercise, we'll go ahead and wrap up here, is that it's okay to feel that things are okay, especially after suffering through a pandemic. And I want to just say salute to everybody and congratulations to everybody. And I just want to send a warm virtual hug and love to you guys, man, for making it through this pandemic. We're still holding strong. So good job, guys. Keep it up. Stay strong out here. You guys are doing excellent. We're doing fine. We're making it through it. All right. And I want you to know that it's okay for things to feel like it's okay. Sometimes we'll go into a mode of self-sabotage. Things are too peaceful. Things are too calm. Things make too much sense, right? And we'll spark up some type of dramatics in our lives just to, I don't know, win some type of cognitive battle in our mind. That's just the ego. You feel me? Um, so ignore all that chatter when the ego is trying to bring in these negative connotations against you and your tangible reality that you're living, okay? It's very possible to train and retrain your thought patterns to sustain a higher quality, you know, thought thought life you know the way you speak to yourself specifically the way that you speak to yourself the way that you perceive your reality and it's okay to feel that things are okay all right um so just because a thought is present doesn't mean it's true all right 
You can write that point down. Just because a thought is present doesn't mean it's true. Just like I stated at the beginning, thoughts and emotions are much like the wind. They come and they go. And it's just a byproduct of having a healthy brain and a healthy body and a healthy emotional system. You're going to naturally go through thoughts and emotions. But just because they're there doesn't mean that they're true. All right. So how do you remove thoughts that come off as irrational and irrelevant? That's an excellent question. And so I want you to try these two practical exercises this week. Okay. The first thing I want you to try, it's very simple. Both of these exercises are very simple. Mindfulness. I want you to just slow down. I want you to focus in on three intentional breaths, inhales and exhales. And then following your intentional breaths, I want you to pick out five things that are in your immediate area that you can be potentially grateful for. Maybe it's the wind. Maybe it's fresh water. Maybe it's clothes or food in your refrigerator. Whatever the case, right? Your second practical exercise I want you to give a try is it's called Who Am I? I want you to get a piece of paper, a pen. You can grab your iPhone, make a note of this, whatever the case, and write down 10 things, your highest version of self. Okay, write down 10 things your highest version of self represents. Okay. And now I want you to write out thoughts that defeat this version of yourself. What thoughts come in? What emotions come in? Usually they come in due to the thoughts of the past and usually they come in due to thoughts of the future. So what thoughts and emotions come in that defeat this version of your higher version of self? Okay. And the reason why we're pointing this out is so now you're able to literally identify the things that stop you from being the you you want to be. Right. And now that you're able to point them out and identify them, you can go ahead and take those out. You can go ahead and take those patterns directly out of your uh, thought habit. Okay. Again, I want to just thank you guys for tuning in to Unbecome 101. It is truly an honor to be able to speak into your lives. I don't take this lightly at all. I also take these practical exercises to heart for myself. I apply these talks to myself as well. I don't have all the answers. I'm just a, uh, a, a, a surrendered soul that is desiring information just like you, okay? And um, it's an honor to be able to guide you, to lead you into thought pattern transformation. If you want to tune in some more, I want to encourage you to download the Geneva app, G-E-N-E-V-A, Geneva app, and go on and find the uh, To Unbecome 101 uh, page and join our community. And there we post updates, we use accountability for each other, and we post up our practical exercises, and we learn side by side through this earth journey, okay? Also, I want you guys to go ahead and continue to tune in to the Apple Podcast, to the Spotify Podcast, as well as follow us on Instagram to Unbecome101. I'll see you next week. Love you. Peace.